Hi, this is Al Milgram, and you're listening to the Captain America Comic Book Fans Podcast. Greetings, Cap fans, and welcome to another episode of the Captain America Comic Book Fans Podcast. It's episode 159, and I am your host, Rick Verbanis. And I am joined by the best gosh darn co-host out there. That that's a that, that's some guy named Bob Lucius. Oh, Bob. I'm not dead. <laughs> I'm not dead. <laughs> I think I'll go for a walk. <laughs> I feel happy. I, I've heard that, but I can't. I can't put I've, my finger on it. I don't want to go on the cart. <laughs> <laughs> is this a is this a Monty Python skit? Yes, favorite? yes, it is. Yeah, yes, oh, it's yeah. Uh, the bring out your dead scene. Oh, yes, classic. Right, <laughs> bring out your dead. And then there's John Cleese who is uh, <sighs> holding holding this old man over his shoulder <laughs> and uh, the guy, Eric Idle's doing the cart and he's like, uh, uh, bring out your dead. And, and then he's like, how much? And I think he says something like seven pence or whatever. And he's like, uh, I'm not dead. <laughs> I can't take him. It's against regulations. Oh, he'll be dead in a minute. <laughs> I feel better. <laughs> You're not uh -oh. fooling anyone. That's a classic. Uh, that's a great scene. Anyway, yeah. uh, why am I bringing that up to you in this particular opening, Bob? I, I, I don't want to give away the cliffhanger here. I'm not the cliffhanger, <laughs> but I don't want to give away the twist. Ah, it is a twist. Yeah. It is a little twist. And Twisty. actually, there's a couple twists in this uh, particular yeah. issue. And, and shouts. Yeah, there are there plenty of shouts. Yeah. And anyway, the, uh, yeah. There is uh, somebody who's not dead yet in yeah. this one. And we thought was dead. Right. And then, uh, you know, in the Monty Python and Quest for the Holy Grail, uh, there's a castle. Right. And what, Bob, are we reviewing today? It's, uh, it's issue 256, Rick. The Ghosts of Greymoor Castle. Exactly. So... That was the reason I, I went with that particular opening. Uh, and for our Monty Python fans out there, I hope you you uh, love that as much as I do. It's a great scene. Um, so, Bob, a couple of things. Uh, moments before I, I got on on the uh, the mic with you, I'm doing uh, some last-minute work uh, for this episode. And in the peripheral of my vision, I see something. And inches from my head, there is a spider that is just coming down a strand from the ceiling slowly with yeah. its things just going down, 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 down. It's just inches away from my face. And uh, I got to tell you, normally if I find a spider in the house, I try to like save it and like put it outside or something like that because, yeah. you know, they're whatever i I, yeah. I don't like spiders uh, yeah. you know i i don't but this one i was like ah just, <laughs> I got, I got yeah. a napkin and killed it you'd rather prefer to like 
put them outside where they can die slowly from the cold. I, I got it. Yeah. 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 Right. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, Bob. I'm sorry, Bob. Was I supposed to like chuck them into a little hole in my house? A little hidey hole. Yeah. yeah. Right. Uh, so now, now I'm like paranoid. I'm constantly oh, like yeah. looking up and yeah. like, is there any more spiders? Is it going to come? Oh, yeah. Luckily, my ceiling is painted white, so they would kind of stand out. Oh, this was one of those light colored spiders, more like translucent. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. The tricky yeah. ones. Well, you know, mm -hmm. his amigos are coming. So. Yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, oh yes. Yeah. We wait you killed Bob. <laughs> yeah. He fell asleep. We get him. Uh, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. yeah. That's why I don't sleep with my mouth open. Right. Yeah. Well, it's probably a good idea anyway. Mm. Yeah. <clears throat> How's your week going, Bob? You know, it's uh, it's going all right. It's going all right. You know, keeping busy. Keeping busy. Uh, but all things considered, as my dear old mom once said, uh, I'm still vertical. So, hey, mm -hmm. who can complain? Exactly. Yeah. How about Every yourself? Every day above ground. That's it. Uh, doing well. Busy at work. Um, and uh, I am. I'm just super, super busy. So, apologies to everyone out there who, if I have not gotten back to them, um, there's a few things I need to get out in the mail. I want you to know it is on my list, and I am really trying to working hard to trying to to get through stuff. So, uh, but Bob. I feel old. Oh. Yeah. yeah. I, I, my wife and I went to go see a concert Saturday night. Yeah. Went to go see the Zach Brown band. Do you know who they oh. are? I, I don't. I don't. Uh, they're kind of like a, a country pop kind of band. Um, kind of along the lines of like a Jimmy Buffett, but a little bit more country than him, I guess. Okay. Um, they've had a ton of hits over the last 10, 15 years. Um, so, uh, and we, we've seen them before and we we went to the same place. It was a, the PNC bank pavilion outdoor mm. thing here in like central Jersey. Okay. Weather was not good. Yeah. It was in the fifties. Um, it had just finished raining an hour before mm. we're on an, we're, we have lawn seats. We're, we're on a incline. It's muddy. You're, you're doing a little slipping and sliding. Yeah. And then, um, but here's the thing. I have been doing lawn seats for 25 plus years. Yeah. Right. And especially every Jimmy Buffett show yeah. uh, I've been to, uh, I, you know, it's just, that's where the party is. That's where you have a good time. And I've always, you know, had, uh, you know, no problems, no, no real problems. And so um, I don't know if you know this about me, Bob, I'm a, I'm a little territorial. Uh, I, I didn't know that, but I'm, I'm, I'm not shocked. I, I, I have yeah. my personal space and yeah. I like my personal space, which okay. really surprises people. Cause I'm a hugger. Yeah. You know, like I'm terms. a hugger, but yeah. Yeah. But hug me. Hug I, me. Okay. That's enough. Right. But yeah. like my personal space around me is, you know, what it is. And, and so yeah. like, you know, like for instance, if I go to the beach and I put out my beach blanket and put out mm -hmm. my chairs and my umbrella, and then like people start walking across my blanket. I get a little ticked oh, off. Oh, yeah. Well, that's, yeah, that's understandable. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I, whenever I go to these, these outdoor concerts, we try to get there early when the gates open. Uh, at this time we couldn't, it was like maybe 30, 40 minutes after the gate opened, but still before the show, we have our blanket and we have a plastic sheet, uh, you know, to put under the blanket and over top of the blanket. 
right? Um, and when we have, you know, some, it's going to be cold. So there's like a jacket and then we, we get our space and it's a decent space. Right. And I'll, I want to, I want to point this out. My wife and I are standing next to each other. So it's about that width, mm-hmm. you know, maybe another, I don't know, a foot on either side, you know, nothing extravagant. And then in front of us enough so that if we sat on our butts and extended our legs. It was covered. Not not yeah. significantly over that, right? I mean, this yeah. is like a legitimate, you know. It's not, we're not like being like rude or anything. Yeah. So you know, we go and we get some food, some cocktails. We come back, we sit and we eat. <clears throat> we listen to the first show, uh, opener, the second opener, and then it gets dark. Uh-huh. Now at this point, people just start coming down the hill to get closer to the stage. Uh huh. And they're just, you know, walking right over our stuff, oh, you know, and, yeah. and, and, and I'm, I'm their muddy feet at that. Yes. Probably. Yes. Yeah. And I'm getting, I'm getting my little, I'm getting my, my, my yeah. backup. Right. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm not, not digging yeah. this then. Uh, and by the way, there was a, a family next to us on the right hand side. There was a, a mom and a dad and two boys, probably in that, you know, eight to 12 range. Yeah. Okay. And then in front of me was a couple. They were probably in their mid to late twenties. They were there. And, uh, eventually, and by the way, the, the people to my right, like both the mom and the dad were just yelling at people, like get off their blanket and they're, you know, <laughs> right. And then they eventually just left. Yeah. Okay. The yeah. people, the couple in front of us eventually left. Uh-huh. Now there's this vacuum and then, all these people come in. Now there is this flock of teenage girls okay. that came in and we found out later they were 16. Yeah. Okay? And I'd say when I say a flock, I mean eight to 10 of them. Right. And they're all coordinated. They're all wearing their short little jean yeah. shorts and their mm-hmm. white tops, you know, yeah. and cowboy hats and everything. Cause you know, it's 52 degrees outside. Right. And so anyway, I see what's about to happen. Uh-huh. So I, I stand a little bit closer to the corner, the edge, yeah. because I know these girls are just going to trample over our food, our drinks, our, our yeah. Jack, whatever. Yeah. And sure enough, one of the girls backs into me. Yeah. Okay. Now mm-hmm. I just put my hands up, mm-hmm. you know, like close to my chest, like, yeah. you know, just kind of yeah. like this. Uh-huh. And then, uh, she leans up against me and she, and then she turns around and I'm just yeah. like, hi, you know, like, <laughs> you know, like, 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 I'm right here. What are you doing? Uh, uh, she leans back into her group of girls yeah. and yells at the top of her lungs, pedophile. <laughs> pedophile. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, what? Like, what's going on here? And then this little girl. Now, listen, I'm five, six, right? I'm, yeah. I'm not the tallest guy. Yeah. She was like, barely five at that yeah. five foot tall and she comes up to me and she's just yelling at me and getting in my face and she's like threatening me and like come on you know what are you gonna do you gonna you know why don't you you know push me all the girls have their phones up and their cameras on <laughs> and, and everything and i'm being i have to ask my son if he's seen this on tiktok <clears throat> so at this point 
I just start looking around and I'm like, um, uh, which one is the mature person here? <laughs> like, is there a mature person amongst this group that can take care of this little girl? Like what's yeah. going on? I don't understand what's happening right yeah. now. I turn my head, look at my wife. Yeah. One of the girls slaps the back of my head to knock my hat off. Oh my God. <laughs> I turn around and I'm like, and the girl's like, I don't know what happened. Right. And yeah. I'm like, seriously, really? And and then I, I get I pick up my hat, I put it on, which is now muddy. Yeah. And then I'm standing there and this other girl, you know, whatever. I, I I'm just trying to calm down the whole situation. Yeah. But at the same time, yeah, not like let them get away with it. You know right. what I mean? Not like yeah. like you you're you know, like this isn't proper behavior. Yeah. Right. And then so I turn my head again, boom, hats back on the ground again. Right. At this yeah. point, there was three guys behind me. They maybe were pushing 20 years old. Yeah. And they're just like, dude, what's going on with these girls? <laughs> and he hands me the hat. Right. So my yeah. wife comes over. She's like, listen, let's just switch places. And then she starts talking to them. And Whoa. the little girl gets up in her face. And she's like, uh, and my wife's just like, listen, we're just here to watch a show. Well, I'm here to watch a show. Okay. Well, the show's that direction turn around and watch the show you turn around you know i just like this kind of yeah. bs right yeah so this is my own personal health by the way yeah okay you know because yeah. two things are happening here one my personal space is totally being disrespected and yeah. number two i'm being accused of something i never did which right. is by the way one of my worst nightmares coming true yeah and so i'm like all right i'm gonna go get us another round so i go and uh -huh. I track up this muddy, slippery hill yeah. and I'm gone for, I don't know, 20 minutes. And I come back and there, right before I left, there was a guy, he might've been 20-ish, early 20s. Uh -huh. And he was just, he was a big guy and he was very quiet and he never said a word. Yeah. And he just stared at the girls who were all of a sudden now, like he, he was their new victim. Yeah. Right. I come back. He's gone, and my wife tells me that the security team came over and escorted him out because they they called the security team to say that he touched, you know, like we're inappropriately touching him. Yeah, like uh, and, and 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 also that he had fallen. Yeah, and like the girls were like laughing, and one of them was kicking him. I'm like, if I I'm so glad I wasn't there. Yeah, right. So at this point, I'm just like, I am not having a good time. Like yeah. I, I, all I can focus on is that I can't focus yeah. on the, and then now they're the still stage. there. Yeah, absolutely. Oh. Then, then a guy comes up to me again, early twenties yeah. and, uh, he's with a girlfriend and he comes up and he's talking to two girls in front of me who took the couple's face and then they start walking over the thing. And I'm like, I, I put my hands up and I'm like, you know, back off. I'm like, guys, you're like walking all over my stuff here. And the guy tells me, well, we bought lawn seats too. We're, we can, you know, you don't have a right to this spot. We bought lawn seats too. We could be wherever we want. And I'm like, I've been here for two hours. I just, I put down my blanket here. Like yeah. th I'm, this is my little spot. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Yeah. I have tickets too. I have rights. I have and rights. I'm like, <laughs> I, I was like, I can't do this anymore. And my wife was like, you know, let's just go. And we left. Yeah. We left wow. at um, intermission. There was like 45 more minutes to the show. Yeah. So we make a long trek back to the, uh, the uh um bus and then 
you know, they're on the bus. There's probably like 24 people on the bus. They're all being, you know, driven back to, to the parking lot. Yeah. And I stand up and I just like, I'm like, I'm just taking a survey here by a show of hands. How many people were in the lawn seats? Every single one put their hands up yeah. and they're all like, it was, it was a madhouse. It was crazy. Yeah. And they must've oversold the lawn or whatever. And all I know is Bob at my age, I am never doing that again. <laughs> I, I will pay the extra money. And yeah. I will go sit somewhere, you know, in an assigned yeah. seat and yeah. I will stand up in front of my assigned seat and yeah. I will sing, dance, yell, whatever. And I will sit yeah. back down. I am yes. not going through yeah. it again. I am. Yeah. You could, you could probably tell from me, this is three days later and my, my right. blood pressure is still high. By All right. Yeah. It sounds like it was very agitated. I can't even imagine. Uh, I, I'm surprised that you were able to walk away. So good for you. You're able to just sort of let it go and walk away. Cause I would have. I would have done everything in my power to hunt those girls down and destroy them. <laughs> so, uh, so good for you for just like, they're just kids are being dumb. Um, yeah. But you know, it's like, I, I, you know, five, 10 or 20 years ago, I never had this problem. Sure. Yeah. It's, it's like a, a whole new generation of, of these kids who just don't have like any kind of respect. Yeah. And no so I, I apologize listeners out there for yeah, taking right. you through this yeah. long story. But, yeah. uh, but like, I mean, you know, are we surprised? I mean, like, who are they learning these behaviors from, if not from adults all around them? I know. Listen, right? and that's the thing, listeners, if you have, yeah. if you have teenage or preteen kids, uh, talk to them about mutual respect and, uh, and talk to them about, you know, just, you know, understanding people's personal space and, you know, it's not all about you, that there are other people, you know, around you. And, right. Yeah. Uh, anyway, you know. sorry to bring it down, but oh, no, man. you brought it down. I'm all fired up, Bob. Yeah, it's a good life lesson. It's important. This is, I mean, it's the inevitable result of sort of the decline in American society and the fact that we're at each other's throats all the time. And that means adults as well. And kids see this, right? I mean, there's no reason that's that's exactly why they model this behavior and that. And so we got to we got to really go that extra yard with our kids and our kids friends to model that positive social behavior. And what would looking, Cap do? Looking right. Exactly. Looking out for each other. <clears throat> All right. So uh... <laughs> <laughs> at least I know to stay off your blanket. So damn right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny. I will take it to the next level. And, and this is embarrassing to me, so it doesn't matter. But so, Bob, do you have um, do you have your own when you sit down at the dining room table? Mm -hmm. Do you sit down at the same spot every single time? I do. I do. It's not like musical chairs. It's right. Not. Yeah. Now, and and do you do you have like uh, you know, so at your table, yeah. Do you put things like on your placemat? in front of your like where you normally sit like you know something you'll come back to it whether it's your phone or a cup or your keys or your wallet sure. or right. or a book or whatever yeah. you know yeah yeah you know what my kids and my wife make fun of me because uh -huh. they they will occasionally be walking by and they will put something right there on my mat <laughs> and, I, and and i'm just like why 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 are you putting something on my space you know, 10 inches from here is your own mat. Why are yeah. you putting it on my space and just leaving it there? Put it on your own mat. Yeah. I, that, that is, I, I recognize that is a quirk 
kudos to them for messing with you. Um, but, but no, <laughs> they have my you full would, support. You would think they would be messing with me, but no, they just like it's absent-minded. No, like, oh, they're just, not doing I just, it on purpose. No, just no, so, like, I screw I, with you. I just, I just put my keys down. I, I was going to put them away. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, why does it bother you? Why does it care? Oh, and yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, all right, Bob, enough about yeah. me. All What's right. a quirk about you? Uh, I don't have any quirks. So, oh. uh, yeah. Oh, you're that's, perfect. That's, yeah. that's what I forgot. <laughs> I just asked my wife. Yeah, she'll yeah. tell you. She'll tell yeah. perfect. Yeah. You know, my we should get Casey. Is, I, you know, we I should get like Casey on stuff. the show. Yeah. Oh, we get yeah, Casey we, yeah. on the show and that just, would be an illuminating hour. Uh, we totally. All right, listeners, how about this? Would you like to see Casey and Megan on the show at some point? Not at the same time, but just to, you know, hey, let's find out a little bit about Bob. Let's find out a little yeah. bit about Rick. Yeah. You listeners, you tell us if that is something you want to do. And if enough people demand it, Bob, we'd we'd we will have to listen. Yeah. We had a little bit of an argument this week. I'll I'll be honest with you. I I won't I won't go too long with this, but I uh, I'm a big believer in heritage, and so uh, I don't know if you know this about me, but I uh, for a very long time I was into genealogy. I, I enjoy genealogical research, and and I enjoy uh, holding on to uh, heirlooms, family heirlooms. Oh, for a minute there, my- I thought you said gynecological uh, research. <laughs> No, just regular heirlooms. And so there's quite a few on, on my wife's side that, that I have and that I've been holding on to. And some of it's furniture that was made by her great-great-grandfather, who mm-hmm. was a carpenter. And uh, she's not into that at all. And, and of course, my son at his age is not into that at all. But, right. but my thinking is that someday he may be. Or one of his kids may find some value. So, for example, mm-hmm. we have this corner cabinet that was made for my wife's grandparents as a wedding present by their by his father, handcrafted, you know, wood, lead glass. And she just assumed get rid of it. It's in the garage. We don't have it displayed anywhere because there's nowhere for me to display it. But I've got mm-hmm. it stored in the garage. She'd like me to get rid of that. And so we're getting ready to bring a bunch of stuff over to St. Matthew's house, which is um, sort of a, like a Salvation Army sort of organization down mm-hmm. here. And they take donations of clothes and furniture. And so there's another table that we have that uh, it's sort of it's got two eaves on it, you know, so that it can be a small table, but it can open up into like a dinner table. And again, it was made by her great grandfather. And... Um, She's like, let's get rid of it. We never use it. And I'm like, yeah, but it was made by your great grandfather. And so we have, this is like a point of tension for us where like, mm. she's just like, wow, doesn't have any, we're not using it. It doesn't have any value. It doesn't matter who made it or how old it is or, or whatever. But for mm-hmm. me, the fact that it has this, this, uh, you know, this value of, of having been passed down through the family. Mm-hmm. And even though we may not appreciate it, maybe, maybe the next generation will appreciate it. So that's like a quirk that I have is that I insist on holding on to these things uh in, in the face of my wife's opposition and it's her family for crying out loud <laughs> so. well uh good luck with that yeah um i i totally get that yeah i am i am always had a hard time throwing away stuff that was made by the family and mm-hmm. certainly have had some grandparents that have made some things um and they haven't always made it yeah sometimes they just don't yeah. 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 Sometimes you do have to pick and choose, I guess. Yeah. Right. So. Uh, so, Bob, 
speaking of old old things that uh you know were were made um and family heirlooms should we get to the castle of gray yeah that's a good call yeah let's all right we'll get let's get to that all right so captain america 256 had a cover date of april 1981 which had a release date of january 6 1981 now bob if you were on uh you know in the comic shop and you were or getting off the the rack and you picked up this comic chances are you would be very very disappointed because this <laughs> is the first issue post roger stern john burns run and you know we there we were treated to nine issues i think uh, of that run and you know there was no uh they're leaving you know like you just expected them to come back the next month and it still has the john Byrne captain america up in the cu- uh, up in the corner box right right and you see the cover and you're like well that doesn't look like a john Byrne cover but you open it up and well that's not john Byrne art right and and maybe yeah. if you were aloof you know uh, alert enough you would have picked up it's a different writer and as well um so I can only imagine, um, you know, the disappointment amongst many uh, Captain America readers back then. But maybe not. Maybe there was, you know, maybe there were kids and they were just like, you know, I just want the next story. That was me. Eighth grade. I was in eighth grade when this came out. I'm sure I wasn't paying the least bit of attention. I got you. Now, the writer uh, for this particular issue is Bill Mantlo. Now, Bill uh, probably might be most famous for Howard the Duck. Uh, he was, uh, I believe, the, the co-creator of Howard the Duck. And he wrote that in, in, in the late 70s, early 80s. Um, he, uh, I mean, he's been writing uh, comics since, since the early to mid-70s. And this is uh, actually his second Captain America comic book. He did uh, one back when it was Captain America and Falcon uh, in issue 182 that came out in 1974. Uh, and then he will come back um, to do issue 291, uh, which is that one-shot uh, Tumblr story. Do you remember that? Right at the, like a little blip in front right. in, in, yeah. in the uh, J.M. Mateus run. Right. Um, so it was, it was the, wasn't it the Tumblr's brother? Yeah. 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 Yeah, to tame a Tumblr was the story. Uh, but for this one, um, yeah. So it, he's, now he's written Cap and in the Avengers for a little bit, and so he he does have some experience with them. Um, but but prior to this, he was doing a, a nice long run of the Deadly Hands of Kung Fu, and uh, he had done also around this time a nice run for Incredible Hulk. Uh, he had been on Incredible Hulk for for a very very long time after this, and um, anyway, so and and also. Iron Man, um, he was also known for, but I, I could go on. He, he's a very, very established writer. Then for the artist for this one is Gene Colan. Now, Gene Colan is obviously no um, stranger to Captain America. And, um, you know, Gene had been around since the Golden Age, right? He did a ton of comics in the 40s and the 50s. Um, and then you know, in the sixties as well. In fact, he did a really nice run on captain America 
from issues 116 to 137. So he had a nice little two-year run there at the end of 69 to, to 71. And this, after, after doing that two-year run, this is his first issue back. And uh, it's just a one-shot. Uh, but I think he was the perfect artist for this story. I 100% agree. And, uh, you know, I went back and I looked at some of his early stuff. He, like you said, he, uh, he had, he had drawn in the original, uh, golden age, Captain America comic, just a couple issues. I think he, he did issue 72 and, and, uh, and then I think the last issue of Captain America's weird comics, which ironically didn't, didn't feature Captain America at all. Um, but, uh, he, he penciled those two issues. So, uh, he, you know, he's, he's had a long track record, uh, with cap and, uh, and you're right. I do think because, you know, he's been described, his art has been described as atmospheric. Yeah. Uh, it's a perfect, perfect compliment for this story. Yeah. He, uh, he's inked on this particular issue by three different anchors. So we have, uh, Al Milgram, Frank Giacoya and dave simmons and the uh what i'm reading here on marvelfandom.com um dave simmons did pages one through 11 and then came back and did the the last two pages 28 through 30 and then in between that al milgram did pages 12 through 21 and then frank giacoya did 22 through 27 so certainly this was uh, I think if I had to guess, um, kind of a, a last minute type of fill in story because, um, Jim Shooter, you know, allegedly legendarily, uh, fired John Byrne and Roger Stern off the book. And so I guess they had to kind of look for replacements. In fact, the, the next few issues were all kind of replacement stories. So, uh, issue, 257 was written by Mike Barr and Jim Shooter. 258 was by Chris Claremont and David Michelinie. 259, which we covered, which is the Doc Ock issue, that one was written by Jim Shooter and David Michelinie. 260, which we covered, that was the one that was written and drawn by Al Milgram, where Cap goes to the you know prison. And then... 261 is where we have uh, J.M. DeMatteis. So there's a series here of one shots. And in fact, when we had J.M. DeMatteis on the show, he he talked about this was just supposed to be a four part gig for him. And then uh, we had like Michael Kraft came on and did that two parter. And then they brought J.M. DeMatteis back. And anyway, so then, you know, he had a nice long run on there. But um, so this is this has the impression of being a fill in. And also the fact there was these three anchors on there seems to me that it was kind of like a rush job. Yeah, I think that's a good forensic analysis right there, Rick. Colorist Bob Sharon, as he was for every other comic in Marvel these days. Uh, letterer <laughs> Jim Novak and editor Jim Salakrup. I'd read the solicitation to you, Bob, but I, I can't find one. Oh, how I look forward to those. Well, you know what I look forward to? I look forward to you when you describe the cover to the listeners. Well, I'm glad you asked, Rick, uh, because it's an interesting cover. It's uh, It looks like the like the interior of a castle. Could be of the castle at, uh, at Graymore. Uh, and we are seeing it 
moments after Cap has burst through a big wood and iron door mm -hmm. uh, into the interior of the castle. And he has entered in. And outside, you can see uh, a sort of the windswept lawn. And he is standing inside that front door on uh, what looks to be a, a rough-hewn stone floor. Uh, the walls look to be, you know, certainly dark. They could be, uh, you know, stone or wood, but probably stone. It's a castle. And you see nothing behind him uh, outside except an eerie yellow glow of probably moonlight. And, uh, mm -hmm. and he looks, uh, he looks, he looks like he's ready to, to, to throw down. He has got his fighting stance on with his, his shield in his left hand and his right hand uh, clenched into a fist. But the interesting thing about this, uh, that would be interesting enough, but above the doorway are two very eerie looking eyes carved into the wall of the castle. So it has the appearance of a, almost like a, a jack-o'-lantern face mm -hmm. uh, behind Cap. And he's got his teeth gritted and he is ready to face down whatever is in his way. Yeah, nicely done. Um, and, and the art is by uh, Marie Severin. And she is a legendary artist by this time, because she had also worked in the 50s and the 60s and the 70s um, and just just covers alone. I think she's done like 250 covers. Uh, and so for this, uh, gosh, how many Captain America covers did she do? She's probably uh, I'm, I'm, I'm pulling it up now and I'm looking and it looks like she's probably done prior to this one nine covers that she had she had done um, from 1969 to 1970. So in just that short period of time, and actually less than a year, she did nine covers. Wow! And then she also did the cover to uh, Captain America Annual Number One. Um, so she's she's no stranger to Captain America. So kind of cool. And this is also, unfortunately, her last cover of Captain America. Huh. Interesting. I did. I wasn't aware of that. Yep. Rick, yeah. I, 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 are you proceeding into the story? Because I got to stop you if you are. Well, I was just going to remind people who maybe didn't listen to last episode mm, that yeah. this is kind of like a sequel. So last episode, 158, we covered Tales of Suspense 69 through 71, and uh, which was a story in 1965. And I apologize if uh, it took a while. We, I, uh, I think there were a lot of tangents. It's a <laughs> it's a very long, <laughs> very long episode. In fact, I. I'm still currently editing it. Uh, it's taking so long, but anyway, yeah. Um, yeah. So if you if you haven't listened to last episode, uh, I highly rec recommend you check it out so that that today's episode has a little bit more context. Yeah. Uh, what What did you want to say, Bob? Well, Rick, I you know I, I don't normally bring up the ads, but on the interior front cover of this issue is an ad for the Johnson Smith Company. Now, Hold on, know, Bob. I got my issue right here. I'm all opening right. it up. I'm and... sure you remember these from when you were oh, yeah. a kid, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. It's ways a... ways to to get a kid to spend his allowance or newspaper run money on um, uh, novelties. These are all novelty like novelties. Items. Yeah, things you never knew existed, 
is the tagline for the Johnson Smith Company. Been in business since 1914. And they have all kinds of items in this full page ad for sale. Any of them that jump out to you, Rick? I totally wanted the X-ray vision glasses. Oh, you know those were going to work. Yeah. yeah. How many of those, those bought those and then went onto the school bus <laughs> and just looked at girls' dresses? Right. Yes, exactly. There's one up here that I, I when I saw, I immediately thought of you, and it was the Whack Jack Tension Reliever. <laughs> Did you notice that one? The Whack Jack. I mean, it's one of the more expensive items in this catalog. I don't know if you noticed that. I mean, it's just, it seems so appealing for a lot of reasons for a young juvenile mm. male uh, might, might who doesn't need a whack jack tension exactly. reliever yeah and i'm also i gotta tell you now you know my tastes are a little more refined than they were back when i was in eighth grade but i am really drawn to the hercules wristband for a dollar 65 and here's the description hercules. it gives rugged rugged masculine appearance double strap for quote he-man unquote look get two one for each arm genuine leather yeah. You know, I really think I could be sporting the Hercules wristbands uh, these days and really pull it off. So uh, totally. I want to go back to the whack jack tension reliever, Bob. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I love how the diagram on there is a fist making a a motion. Right. Uh, it's an up and know. down motion. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got news for you, Johnson Smith Company. I don't need to pay three ninety five for that. <laughs> right? Yeah. You know what? It could almost be listed in the in the item directly to uh to the left of it. The hundred and one things for free booklet that you have to pay a dollar twenty five for. <laughs> so <laughs> I got my own whack jack tension reliever, and it's one hundred percent free. <laughs> it's right. So, all right. Well, uh, I just wanted to draw attention to these ads because I, I do remember the them as a kid. I know. We don't I talk wish we, about them enough. We don't talk about the ads enough, and that's because usually I'm on my like Marvel Unlimited because mm -hmm. I don't want to like damage the comics. But I actually did pull out my issue copy of this. Um, the other thing too, Bob, fifty cents, fifty cents got this for you back in 1981. Nowadays, uh, according to the comic book price guide. Uh, you know what a near mint issue goes for in the guide? Fifty one cents. No, eight dollars. Oh, eight dollars. I know. I'm like, That's... you're totally gonna find us in the dollar box. Come yeah, on. I do think so. I do think so. Yeah. Yeah. No one's no one's holding on to this and trying to sell it individually online. Like uh, waiting I want for the waiting for the first appearance of Graymore Castle. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, I'm gonna get this, this graded. <laughs> Right. Right. But we care. We care, listeners. Yeah. That's why we're bringing it to you. No other place ever anywhere are you going to get <laughs> Captain America 256 covered panel by panel. You're right. You're right. <laughs> All right. So let's get to the opening panel or opening splash page, I should say. And Bob, you already said what the title is, but go ahead. Say it again. Oh, yes. The Ghosts of Greymore Castle. And it's a really cool splash page. And you, you said it so well before that Gene Cullen is known for conveying kind of an atmosphere and uh, feeling, right? Yeah. Uh, he's really good at that. And and quite frankly, this, this splash page does it. There's a, there's a old dilapidated castle 
in the background and uh, Captain America in full uniform holding his shield by the straps uh, is standing in a field uh, in front of it. And it's it's nighttime. Uh, there is a full moon, of course. I would love for an artist just to draw, I don't know, a three quarter moon sometime. Right. Yeah. Right. No, you're right. A new moon. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Come on. Uh, and in front of the of the moon is uh, a dead trees, um, branches, bare branches. And then there's some clouds, even though it's dark out and you see bats flying around and the grass is pretty long. Uh, there's leaves flying and you see uh, you know, some breeze going by. Uh, it's a it's a very moody, uh, eerie setting. Memories. They have taken the man called Captain America away from his homeland, away from the life and identity he's been trying to forge for Steve Rogers, the man beneath the mask, and brought him here to England's windswept North Country for an encounter with his past. And then we see Cap's thought bubble. Graymore Castle. Despite the centuries, the ravages of war, it still stands, still waits. Let me turn the next page. Captain America is lost in introspection as he forges through the tall grass towards the vast and gloomy pile lying illuminated by the moon's cold orb. I left the States in a hurry, dropping everything, including a promising relationship with a certain young lady. Who's that lady, Bob? Was that Bernie? It was. When I received a telegram from Fallsworth Manor, I thought at first it was from Jacqueline Fallsworth, now Lady Crichton, my one-time partner Spitfire back in our invaders days, but it had been sent by her ailing father, the original Union Jack. The old man came out of retirement to help me combat the vampiric menace of barren blood. We won, but it cost Lord Fallsworth his life. That's done. Now I should be getting home. But I couldn't leave England without paying a visit to these ancient ruins and bob what is he referring to about barren blood yeah that was in uh that was in issues 253 and 254 that's right and we covered those in episode 119 so if anybody wants to hear really bad english accents (laughs) by yours truly uh because i had to do all different types of ages all different you know male female uh different dialects of different uh, dialects Thank yeah you. yeah uh yeah it was uh it was it was quite embarrassing but anyway um yeah that was uh issues 253 254 and so he says uh to visit these ancient ruins the scene of one of captain america and bucky's greatest battles memories and then we see uh like decades flying by 1980 1950 1940 i guess they figured 60 and 70 wasn't worth doing yes just jump right over those blah 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 i was with a company of rangers training hard at an encampment near dover rogers your gold brick get the lead out yes sir sarge sir steve you're back howdy mr bucky barnes how's our rollicking regimental mascot today Have you heard the news about the big drive? So, 
That's why the Sarge has been marching the Sox office all week. Will I get to go this time, Steve? Not a chance. You know a teenage mascot can't go into combat with us. But if I'm good enough to fight as Captain America's partner, why can't I? That's our secret, son. And I make the decisions for this team. That was kind of an abbreviated version of what happened. Sure was, yeah. The door is open, crashed off its hinges, just as when I broke into. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Bucky had more guts than most men twice his age. He was disappointed at not going into combat with the Rangers, but that left Zoan behind to handle things at the undermanned base when, and there's a loud explosion bomb. Boom! An explosion. Looks like sabotage. The base is on fire. The kid was eager for action, stepping behind the barracks. He changed one uniform to another. Bucky Barnes' regimental mascot vanished to be replaced by the brave young Bucky, Captain America's partner. But the sabotage of the base was part of a carefully conceived Nazi trap, and Bucky charged right into it. Where's Captain America? We wanted both he and his redempt partner. We will have settled for the boy and use him to lure Captain America to his doom. The Nazis sped off, taking Bucky with them. And you know uh, the car is moving. You know why, Bob? All because the exhaust. there's lots of exhaust coming out yeah. the back. Yeah. All right, Bob. I encourage everybody to break out their, their 256 and go to this page and look at this panel. Because I saw this panel and it totally reminded me of a video game that I used to play the heck out of in an arcade. Really? Do you ever play um, Spy Hunter? Oh, I don't think I ever played that. It was it it was a it was a driving game, uh-huh. but it was from the top looking down. Okay, and it was you were driving like a James Bond car, and it had all these different things that you could do. It had like a machine gun in the front. It had smoke behind it. It had oil slick behind it. You could fire a missile. Uh, but you had to go and pick up these weapons along the way. And then there was all these different um, bad cars that were coming after you. Some of them had spikes on their wheels to pop your tire. Um, And then a car that looked just like this one was like the muscle car. It would just like hit you off the road. (laughs) And, and the smoke screen behind it was one of the things that you could do, you know, on your, on your thing, you'd like with your thumb, you'd hit smoke screen. And it'd be like, you know, that would come out and make all the cars behind you like fall off. It was a really cool car. I I don't remember ever playing that. And and it had, I think it had like uh, green onions, which was a a theme. Um, Like if you heard it, I think it was like, uh, said JT Booker uh, band or whatever. But it was like, you know that song? Yeah, okay. Well, that was the song to to Spy Hunter. Wow. And so you were sitting, you were there, and like they had the spy music going on, and it was really cool. Yeah, but anyway, this 
is totally that villain car. And then it has like a little smoke behind it. All right. I never played it. I, I'm not familiar with it, but I'm curious if any of our listeners uh, are familiar with Spy Hunter and played it as, as a kid. You know, it's cool. There is a arcade near where I live. It's called Yestercades. Oh, you wow. Just, you play by the, you pay by the hour. Yeah. And so you just go up to any game and play whatever game you want. You just pay by the hour. Oh my god. And it's gosh. got all the classic video games. It I has love that. it's got air hockey. It's got, you know, uh ski ball. Yeah. It's got a pool table and it plays 80s music. And it's oh B it's BYOB. Yeah. Oh my you, god. You just bring your cooler. And then <laughs> and then for younger kids, like you can go and sit in beanbag chairs and play um, you know, Wii and all the different yeah games out there all the How systems cool. that is yeah cool. uh, yeah totally all right, and they have a spy up. hunter there and uh i play the heck out of that that is cool wow all right so then cap's going into the castle and he's still lost in thought bringing him here to graymore castle where he was used to bait a trap conceived by my arch enemy hitler's master agent the red skull a trap into which i had to walk or Bucky would die. Memories guide Captain America down the dark and dusty hallway. Memory goes before him up the ancient creaking staircase, past burnt, blackened portraits, reminders of Graymore's once honorable heritage. And so, yeah, he's he's looking at, um, you know, uh, these these old murals uh, and paintings, and but of course everything is is it, it's saying burnt burn blackened right because of the fire that happened there right and he's going past a a um uh a, i guess uh armor right a suit of armor yeah yeah suit of armor and, and the holding a, a mace a little with a club with little spikes on it and it's a memory illuminating the past which keeps captain america from sensing the perils of the present bob bob the uh, suit of armor just moved. Oh my gosh, it did! It, 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 and the mace in its hand is uh, is moving as well. Yeah. If there are ghosts at Graymore Castle, this is surely one. And it's following Cap up the stairs, the aforementioned squeaky stairs. Yes, the quiet suit of medieval armor is yes. following him stealthily up the stairs. The squeak, the squeaky stairs. <laughs> the squeaky stairs. Yes. Yeah. That Cap's just. La, 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 la. But the apparition of soundless steel hangs back as Captain America ascends to a corridor whose charred roof beams have opened gaping holes to the night, the elements, and the memory-jarring moonlight. And he sees two more paintings. Celia Rawlings and her brother Cedric, Lord of Greymore, scientist and a man who almost handed his country over to the Nazis. Memories. Rawlings was an embittered man, and the Rudd Skull used his twisted genius to plot England's downfall. The first part of the Skull's plan involved eliminating Bucky and me. Now, remove the lead-lined cover and expose them to the deadly radiation emanating from the pit below. Rawlings had discovered something he called Z-rays, and he intended to use them to prove his worth to his Nazi masters for it seemed only they were willing to give him the recognition he craved. Out of the way, all of you. I shall now intensify the radiation. You see, Major Uberhart, 
What I did to these two plastic figurines, I can do also to the real Captain America and Bucky. The Red Skull will be pleased, Dr. Rawlings. The rays reduced atoms in size. The Nazis only needed Rawlings Z-rays to condense rocket fuel in order to give greater range and striking power to a mighty V-2 rocket. They'd have Rawlings build inside one of Greymore's ancient turrets. Bucky, I, and Rawlings' sister, who has defied the Nazis, were to be placed inside it when it was launched at number 10 Downing Street, Winston Churchill's home. Boy, they, they really love talking about that. Yeah. Celia Rawlings, appalled by her brother's treachery, created a diversion, allowing Bucky and I to tackle the Nazis. But Celia was shot. Horrified, Cedric repented. And the V-2 was retargeted to strike at the Nazi forces, pinning down my unit of rangers and occupied friends. I thought the launch had decimated Greymore, but only part of the castle was destroyed. Eh? That glow from beneath that door. Is someone here besides me? It sure did look like the castle was destroyed. It, it really in did. Tales of Spence 71. Yeah, it looked like a catastrophic loss uh, yeah. to the castle. And then, you know, Cap is wondering, is someone here besides me? Someone or something? And sure enough, that suit of armor is coming at him with the mace. And raising its arm to strike, the steel-shod ghost proves itself possessed of rusty joints. And it makes a noise, Bob. <coughs> what in blazes? Die, demon. You haunt me no longer. Memory is banished. Instinct comes to the fore. Captain America takes the blow on his far-famed shield. Spling! It holds, as it has always held. A pity that rotted oak door against which Cap is driven back by the force of the blow does not prove equally reliable. And so we turn uh, the page, Bob. Wow. That's quite the splash page. It really is. There's, there's a, an amazing amount of perspective going on here. Well, don't leave the listeners uh, in a in a lurch, Bob. Yeah. So I mean, he 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 bursts through this this weakened oak door, and beyond the door is a that pit that pit of radiation that that Z radiation that we uh, we learned about in the beginning and we saw in more detail in Tales of Suspense 69 to 71 mm -hmm. but fortunately hanging from the roof above this pit which it appears that cap is falling toward mm -hmm. are a couple ropes fortunately indeed And that staircase on the other side of the door has long since crumbled to dust, and that some sinister hand has seen fit to remove the leaden cover from the pit containing the still deadly Z-rays. Next page. Falling. Fortunately, Captain America and Bucky had effected their escape from Greymore Castle before Rawlings had the chance to expose them to his mass-shrinking Z-rays. Still, in his mind's eye, Cap has long envisioned that perilous pit as described to him by agents of the OSS. What the heck is that, Bob? That's the OSS, Rick, the Office of Special Services. Uh, later, uh, after World War II, changed to the Central Intelligence Agency. Also known as the CIA. 
also known as the CIA or the CIA. Mm. Nobody calls it that. Yeah. No? No. Chaya. Chaya. <laughs> uh, so, and it's an interesting perspective of he's twisting his body as he's falling, putting his shield out. Um, but uh, it's certainly a hard, like, turn on his body. But they said it had been sealed. Obviously, it's been reopened. And recently, judging from the dust disturbed by the removal of the leaden lid, time to stop analyzing and start acting unless I want to end up as small as Ant-Man permanently. With the dexterity born of decades of practice, Captain America angles his fall so that his impervious shield safeguards him from the shrinking rays. And then he grabs the rope behind him, Bob, without even looking. Even as his gauntleted hand flashes out and with fingers of steel grasp a lifeline dangling down from above. I'm wondering, Bob, with his uh, fingers of steel, if, if Cap needs a, a whack jack tension reliever. That could be that could, could 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 prove dangerous, actually. You men could have caught it snaking as it seemingly out of reach fewer still could have held on as a whole nother element it about. does it certainly does fingers of steel but he is captain america the living legend of world war ii the red white and blue avenger the man few men do not dream of being unfortunately he is also human is that unfortunate i don't think so no, I don't. It does have its own limitations, however. That's true. Thus, though he avoids plunging into the perilous pit. Say that five times fast, Bob. <laughs> he cannot stop himself from striking the turret wall with bone jarring force. It looks like he hits the back of his head. Captain America falls, consciousness slipping away from him even as his armored attacker leaps into space towards the very line that saved Cap's life. Interesting. So he, uh, the Cap falls to like a lower level and then this armored knight jumps onto the rope to go down to him. Down the hempen strand, the creaking figure climbs, hand over metal encased hand. He must be really strong. Right, because that armor's got it. How much do you think that armor weighs? Yeah, armor's got to weigh 150 pounds, if not more. More, right? Yeah, I would think so. Well, yeah, yeah. When you were in the Marines, what's the heaviest backpack you ever had to carry? I don't know. It'd be like 50, 60 pound pack, you know, and you'd have your you'd have your full canteens and and your weapon and. uh and then you might have to carry something else, uh, you know, uh, uh, I mean, certainly for training, one thing, right. For real life, different thing, but you know, whether you're, you're carrying a base plate to a mortar or mortar tube or, you know, supplies or something that you would, you know, pass off every now and again, to, but, but generally, you know, 50, 60 pound pack would, would probably be typical. Did you ever have to carry, uh, carry a person? Uh, in, in actual real world circumstances? No. Well, that's good. Yeah, no. 
Uh, and I'm so, sure you so, practiced it, right? Yeah, we trained the hell out of that. Right. Yeah. Fireman's carry. In fact, it's part of the physical fitness test for, for the Marines, the combat fitness test where you got to fireman carry somebody, you know, um, I can't remember what the distance was, but yeah, that's part of the, the, the test. And then the, um, the armored figure speaks. You are not a demon, but a creature of flesh and blood. You are, heaven help me, I know who you are. Uttering that enigmatic announcement, the armored anachronism carries the fallen Avenger from the chamber. Be he knight or knave, Captain America is in his power. Bob, you know what a knave is? Yeah, well, I, I, I'm assuming it's the the. I can't remember exactly, but is it the is it the guy that that takes care of the knight's equipment? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, it brings it out to him, helps him get dressed, puts him on the horse, that whole thing. Mm -hmm. I I can't remember why that difference is the different uh, the difference between that and a squire. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll oh. have to go back and watch that. What was that that Heath Ledger movie? with uh oh, my wife loves that movie yeah right that's it's, a great, it's a great movie because it's got like modern rock in it right yeah yeah it's a fun movie fun movie memory returns and with it the droning of a strangely familiar voice thank the heavens you are all right you you are real aren't you uh, of course you are you're shield rang as of old when I struck it with my mace. You were hurt when you struck the wall. Your body had weight when I bore you through Greymore's twisting quarters to this chamber. Here, have some mulled wine. It will warm you against the castle's chill. Go on, drink it. You can. You must. And, and describe the scenery here, Bob. Describe yeah. this, this yeah. scene. This is a great Great. I'm, it's almost an entire page, right? With two minor cutout panels, but you know, Cap is sitting in an old. It looks like it's a it's a very ornately carved chair. I mean, it looks very throne like, right? And you can see that there's a bit of a sheet that where it has been pulled back over uh, uh, this chair, exposing it for for Cap to be seated. But and then we're in a very large room with very ornately carved walls. There's a, there's one of those great fireplaces with a fire roaring in it. The rest of the furniture is still covered with sheets. And Cap is sitting in this chair with a golden goblet in his hand raised, and the knight stands before him. Uh, I mean, it's a really great uh, page. I mean, if you if you like Gene Colan, you like that atmospheric sort of style. I mean, I this will really ring your bell. I agree, 100%. And so Cap's holding that goblet in a relaxed pose. And I love how his left hand is just, you know, relaxed, hanging over, you know, his fingers just very loose. Right, yeah. You know, you could see there's no, there's no tenseness about him. Right. He's not at all, you know, anxious or in fear. Mm -hmm. First you attack me. Then you carry me to safety, and now you want me to prove something to you by drinking your wine? What? I, I must be sure that you're not a ghost. Captain America starts, and then, as much to steady his own nerves, 
as to satisfy his strange host, drinks deep of the spiced wine. Done. No ghost could drink so deeply. You are real, then. Not one of them. But how can it be? And he takes off his helmet. Four decades have come and gone since I last set eyes on you. I have lived a hundred lifetimes since then. Yet you seem to not have aged at all. That is why I mistook you for one of them. The ones who come to Greymoor every night. Celia and, and Major Uberhart and, and the Red Skull. They have never changed with the years either. They still accuse me. Still call me traitor. You're Cedric Rawlings. But good lord, man. Your face. That's a... And he points. Jeez. He points at his face. It's <laughs> harsh. Yeah, way to be subtle, Cap. <laughs> I'm going to do that next podcast. Right. I'm going to point at you. <laughs> dear, dear Lord, Matt, your face. <laughs> and Rawlings kind of sits back into a chair, which is covered with a white sheet, holding his helmet. Burned in the fire caused when we launched my V2 rocket. I've I've relived that moment ever over and over since 1941. They, the ghosts, never let me forget. It's your own conscience that's troubling you, Rawlings. The memory that you portrayed your country and brought about your sister's death. That is what I thought too, Captain America. But there are other ghosts here older than the nightmares of my own memory. They come in the night, shuffle through these ancient halls, light forgotten, antechambers, looking, always looking. Looking? Looking for what, Rawlings? And then there's a noise. Crash! Eh? And Cap turns his head to look. You see, I'm not crazy. There are others stalking this ancient pile tonight besides we two. Others. The ghosts of Greymoor Castle. Captain America does not disbelieve the raving old man. And he takes off and he runs towards the noise. For did he not, less than a fortnight past, sever the head from a bloodlusting creature of the night with the edge of his star-spangled shield? No, Captain America does not doubt that. If this world can produce vampires... It can also house ghosts. It is just that he would prefer to find a more scientific origin for this disturbance than has brought him running before he accepts the supernatural. And where does he run into, Bob? How would you describe that? Um, well, it is. Uh, it looks appears to be a, a, a gargoyle, Rick, of some sort that has come to life. Nothing. But Greymore is old. Fire and weather damaged. Maybe that crash was just a ceiling beam caving in. Or a sagging wall finally giving up the... There is a loud noise, Bob. No. Any place as old as this is bound to make odd noises. It's Cedric Rawlings' ravings that have me looking for spirits and creaking floorboards. But things start to fall onto him, like little rocks start to you know, bounce off his his shoulder. 
And yet Cedric Rawlings has spent a lifetime at Greymore Castle. Perhaps it would be best if Captain America paid heed to the old man's warnings. And then what do we see, Bob? There it is. It's it's that gargoyle-like creature that was perched up above on one of the walls has finally broken free. That ex explains why all those rocks were falling down on Cap's back. And it comes uh, crashing down on top of Cap. That stone gargoyle shoved from its niche, toppling toward me. Weighing a ton or more, the sinister stone masonry is nevertheless deflected by the lightning-like precision with which Captain America positions his shield. I like the way that's that's written. Mm -hmm. I, I like the way a lot of this is written. It's, it's almost, I wouldn't say it's poetry, but, but he... poetic. Yeah, I mean... Yeah. Yeah, Mantlo's got a... He definitely has a a style to him that is very fluid and and very descriptive uh and, and certainly um yeah he he likes alliteration right so right yeah. uh yeah i i've enjoyed this well he's making good use of the language which i think is important right i mean you, you know we've looked at that we've talked at least we've talked about it we've talked about it with tom brevort we've talked about the importance of comics as a medium for teaching the English language, for teaching reading to, to young people. Mm -hmm. And so he's maximizing that, you know, you could read Shakespeare or you could read something like this, which, you know, he's using the language in a very similar sort of way. Yeah. Yeah. Very much so. Now, do you believe me? There are ghosts here and they want you to go. Look up at the battlements Rawlings. There's someone up there who wants me to leave Graymore. All right. But I'd be willing to bet that he's alive as you or I. But who? That's what I intend to find out. You stay here while I'll see if a ghost can be taken in for attempted murder. Leaping to the ancient drapes, Captain America uses them to climb through the collapsed ceiling to the battlements above, leaving in his wake a slightly senile Cedric Wallings, who cannot help but wonder whether this perpetually youthful hero is immortal. Locked away inside Greymore, alone with his guilt, Rawlings never learned that years spent in suspended animation kept Captain America from aging as other men. Finally, Cap reaches the narrow footpath atop one of Greymore's few surviving walls. I'm going to say this. I think, I think Mantlo is doing a good job of making up for the fact that Colin has been drawing this castle a lot more, you know, not demolished, right? It's old, <laughs> right. it's decrepit, yeah. but yeah. it's not not been something blown up. And right. this is not the first time that Mantlo has put in here uh, something to overcome that. Like he says, right. one of Graymore's few surviving walls. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He's trying to bridge that gap between what we saw in Tales of Suspense 71 mm -hmm. and what we're seeing here. Yeah. Nicely done. But I heard the swishing of the metal spheres he hurled at me as they sliced through the air in time to bring up my shield. And it makes a noise when it hits the shield, Bob. I can't. I... Stack. <laughs> <laughs> oh what is that? Stack. I don't know what stack is. Uh, What's well, the noise apparently these discs are making yeah, on the shield? Okay. 
Uh, you actually, for a minute there, you sounded like uh, the aliens from <laughs> Mars, Mars invades, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. something like that. Yeah, and uh, Cap grimaces and says, "Acid, the lethal liquid drips harmlessly off of Cap's impervious shield. If I'd been just a fraction of a second slower, but that should set." to rest any lingering doubts about my foe being of supernatural origin. Ghosts don't need to hurl acid. And something that can't be caught doesn't need to flee. This corridor ends in a turret stairway. If I go down it, I may run into my ghost lying in wait with more nasty surprises. So I'll cut him off by taking the express elevator. And when he says express elevator, Bob, he means jumping off the side. Yeah, that's not the one I use. No. Ah, the lightning flash makes things easier. With the sure-footedness of a cat, Captain America makes the most of the brilliant bursts of elemental fury to race along from beam to burn blackened beam, avoiding gaping holes which could plummet him through the roof to the dizzy depths below until he chooses the time and place of his descent. What? The accursed Avenger in front of me? How? A combination of two ingredients called strategy and skill, friend. You struck at me twice from the shadows tonight, mister, and I want to know why. What? The accursed Avenger in front of me? How? A combination of two ingredients called strategy and skill, friend. You struck at me twice from the shadows tonight, mister, and I want to know why. You'll get nothing from me save a swift death, shielded slinger. A fate you escaped by one of the merest happenstances when we last we fought. You, the demon druid. How would you describe the demon druid, Bob? He's a he is tough to describe, Rick. That's uh, why I gave him to you. <laughs> he's got he's got a very odd purple costume on. It's sort of a combination cloak and uh, bodysuit. But it, uh, he's got a very sort of bovine look to him. Mm. Would that be going too far to say that? No, because he does have, um, he does have steer. Kind yeah, of quality. right. I mean, he's also like very big. I mean, he's he, his musculature and his arms and his legs are uh, are oversized, but not in a way that like conveys athleticism. He's, he he it more conveys sort of like like a almost like to me anyway, looking at him, it's like a, like a steer standing up that is, has gained sort of the locomotion of, of, of a, of a human being. And he's got no neck that is discernible, right? He's mm -hmm. got this sort of this cowl that comes over and obscures mm -hmm. his eyes and upper head. And then he's got, as you pointed out, this very long uh, handlebar, almost steer-like horn appendage fastened to his forehead with uh with a with a, a little device on uh, at the center of it and i'm not sure if it's a if it's a fox or a cat or something but it, it's some sort of creature and then on his on his uh on his torso there are four spheres arranged uh in a pattern of a square uh and so it's a it's a it, he's a very odd looking character i'm not sure how the costume uh, works to accentuate his powers in any way. But he's certainly unique. Indeed. And then um, when he says, when last we fought, when was that, Bob? 
I believe that was back in Captain America 188 uh, for the Druids' defeat and escape. So Cap hmm. refers to him as the Demon Druid. So I was like, who the heck is the Demon Druid? I kind of, I remember kind of seeing him There's once a couple before. Druids, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. there's Dr. Druid. Dr. Yeah. Druid, uh, wasn't he on the Avengers, right? Right. And, and, and did he work for S.H.I.E.L.D. for a while? That was a different Druid. Was that a different Druid? Yeah. yeah. I remember I was going to bring up a, when we when we talked about some one and done characters. That was one of the characters I looked at. Turned out he wasn't one and done. Um, well, so. so he says Demon Druid. So I'm like, who is this guy? So I'm trying yeah. to look up Demon Druid. There is no Demon Druid. There is this character. His name is Dreadmond the Druid, and it's D-R-D-M-U-N-D, Dreadmond the Druid. Now, Dreadmond Cromwell is his name, and he is a would-be sorcerer, and his first appearance was in Strange Tales 144, going up against uh, Doctor Strange. So he was in 144 and 145, so that was back in 1966. Then... As you know, the editor here did point out, he was in Captain America 187, 188. That was in 1975. Now he appears here in 256. So he, he he's in 1966, two issues, 1975, two issues, 1981, one issue. Uh, I have a theory on that, which I'll get to in a moment. That's not how I remember it. You were so scared, you suffered an emotional collapse even before I beat you. Liar, you were beaten, broken by the psychological assault of my Machiavellian murder maze. Only the fortuitous arrival of S.H.I.E.L.D. saved you from total annihilation. And uh, then he throws more discs at him. You're living in a fantasy world, Druid. S.H.I.E.L.D. merely helped mop up. You and your cowed cutthroats were an insipidus squad of stubble bums that I'd ever seen. As a matter of fact, now that I recall scanning your shield file, you've never been anything but a failure for all your trappings of ancient occultism merged with modern science. Now those discs, they went past Cap because he ducked them. Where did they go, Bob? Uh, they appear to have, 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 have shattered into the wall. Or punctured into the wall, and something appears to be leaking out. And uh, the tapestry that was on the wall has caught fire. Yes. Curse you, Captain America. I'll not let you mock me with my own inadequacy. You admit it. That's one for the books. <laughs> and now you forsake your alchemical bag of murderous tricks for a more direct approach. And what's that direct approach he's doing? Yeah, he just swung a gigantic halberd. Uh, barely missing Cap, who 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 sort of leans back and and misses the uh, intended blow, and it goes shunk, as halberds often do. Eh, that hollow sound when the druid's axe struck a particular stone in the wall. No time to dwell on that now. I'll destroy you, any way I have to, Avenger. I spent months since my escape haunted by my constant failure. That's why I came here. Old druid lore has it that there's a secret hidden at Greymore Castle, an ancient source of arcane alchemical knowledge that could make me, let me guess, the mightiest mortal on the face of the earth. Sorry, druid. There's a certain green-skinned Goliath who had a pat has a patent on that one for years. And as the menaces go, 
you're nowhere near being in the Hulk's league. And he takes the halberd out of his hand and he flips him. And then he tosses the halberd. So why don't you just give up and save us both a lot of wasted energy? But no, he throws more discs at him. Never. Not while I still possess a single one of my alchemical eggs. The deadly avoids cleave the air, shattering with the seemingly impotent seething over the stonework at Captain America's feet. And they make a noise, Bob. Like, shock, shock. Yeah, and, and that that hiss you hear is is the uh, acid that's coming out, and it's dissolving the stone underneath him. You're through, Druid. You missed, what? The floor. And it collapses underneath him. It's crumbling away and waiting there beneath me, the deadly Z-ray pit. But he grabs onto the edge just in the nick of time. And there's just a hand there, his one lone right hand. And Druid goes and he picks up the halberd as he walks towards Cap. But even as Captain America claws for a handhold, my powers are insignificant, Captain America. Pitiable, laughable, hardly what you would call superpowers at all. I came to Greymore to rectify that, to find the old Druid book and be reborn. How utterly fitting that my ascension to supreme power should coincide with your downfall. And he holds he holds the axe up above his head, and his eyes look maniacal, Bob. No, I won't let Captain America die at Greymore. I can't live with any more ghosts. Who? Rawlings. And sure enough, uh, Rawlings in his armor dives at Druid, and pushes them over the edge. The old man, I've forgotten about him, and now he's hurtling us both over over into the pit. And Cap thinks he must have been watching, thought me helpless to avoid the druid's axe, and decided his con conscience wouldn't let him live in peace if his Z-rays destroyed me. But I was about to backflip out, now I've got to reposition myself and try to save either Rawlings or the Druid. There really is no time for choosing. Cedric Rawlings is nearer to Captain America's outstretched hand, and thus it is he who is saved, as for the demon Druid. No, oh, help me, please! I can't die! Not like this! It's so useless! And he dissolves into the pit. Whether he shrinks out of existence before he hits bottom will forever be a subject of conjecture. The druid shrunk out of sight, or... What did he mean, Captain America? About a secret hidden at Greymore Castle? You tell me. How old is Greymore Rawlings? Centuries. This hall is particular. Was said to have been built by the Romans over an ancient druid burial ground. The stones themselves come from demolished druid temples. And it was in this hall that the demon druid concentrated his search, keeping you out by preying on your, on your dread of ghosts. But I heard a hollow sound when attacking me. The druid's axe struck a certain stone. So Cap uses his shield back in that area, and it makes a noise, Bob. Stone! 
That stone. A hidden cache in the wall. I never suspected. The druid did, probably learning of it from ages old texts he's gotten his hands on. The ancient druids were a powerfully mystic sect, reputedly steeped in arcane alchemical lore. If this tomb holds the secrets to their power, then it's a good thing it didn't fall into the hands of their self-styled ancestor. And what does he find there, Bob? Uh, behind the wall. It's an old book of some sort, Rick. There's more than one. Indeed, there's a cache of books. Yeah. Yes, he would have used it only for evil. But perhaps I could fathom its secrets and, by doing good, exercise from my mind the spirits of all those I've wronged. The book is your property, Rawlings. You take it, Captain. Far away. To America. I must find some other way to free myself from my ghosts. I have a friend, a sister Avenger. Perhaps the Scarlet Witch can decipher these ancient ruins. Perhaps, but that is a tale for another time and another place. Next, would you believe the Incredible Hulk? Dun, dun, dun. What? All right, Bob, what'd you think? Hey, fun story. Nice to see Cedric doing some good for a change. He didn't yeah. have much of a send-off in uh, Tales of Suspense 71, but he came through this time in a pinch. He did. Uh, what did you think of this story? Yeah, I think it's a good it's a good bookend to the original tale. A nice follow-up. Uh, you know, Demon Druid's not particularly compelling as a villain. Uh, definitely, as you pointed out in your forensic analysis of this uh, analysis, it was it was definitely wedged in here as uh, as a filler. But but in that sense, you know, even as a filler story, it was serviceable, right? It did the job. Uh, and I, you know, I always enjoy when uh, authors uh, go back and plumb an earlier story uh, and try to round it out in some way, revisit the characters, maybe you know, uh, provide a, uh, uh, um, a sequel to the original tale. And I think in this case, it was, it's kind of cool. I, I like that. I like the retelling uh, in the early pages of this book of what happened uh, in the original story. Um, they illustrated it in a similar way and used the dialogue, but it was still a little bit different in some cases. And so, I don't know, I, I liked the story. I thought it was great. And as you pointed out, uh, Bill Mantlow's writing was uh, very poetic uh, great use of the English language, and whether the kids knew it or not at the time, they were were learning new words um, that yeah. they could use to impress <laughs> their dates. So, yeah, um, yeah, and I would I would also add to what you said about Bill Mantlo and uh, about Gene Colan. I think, you know, this being, you know, he as I said before, you know, he had been on Captain America in quite some time. Him, him to come back and do this one issue and it was perfect perfect for him because of his moodiness and stylishness and it really fit the story and uh really i mean can, i mean can you see i don't know ron lim you know i love ron lim you know yeah but can you see him doing this story the same justice that gene colin could right you know or you know i don't know steve epting you know these are yeah. all good captain america artists but but Gene Colan seems to be the perfect one for this. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. That moodiness, that atmospheric nature of his, uh, of his pencils definitely uh, serviced the story quite well. So going back to what you just said about, you know, you like when writers go in and, and 
uh, farm something and, and then create a sequel. So in my mind, Bill Mantlo, he found this Druid character that had, again, two issues in 1966, two issues in 1975. He was like, I'm going to bring, find a character I can kill. Right. I'm going to find a character that no one, no one would care if they're gone. Right. But it is somebody who had dealt with Captain America in the past and would uh, make for a more interesting story than to say a complete stranger going up against Captain America. So that to me is why Bill Mantlo picked uh, Druid. Right. Now, he comes back. Guess when he comes back, Bob? When does he come back? In the Man and Wolf story. Really? Cap Wolf? Yeah. Yeah. So he's brought back by Mark Grunewald 11 years later. So in 1992, for the Man and Wolf story, that six-part story. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The... Dreadmond the Druid is a character. So so Mark goes and does the same thing. And he goes, oh, well, you know, we didn't really see him die. Yeah. So right. at some point, we're going to do Man and Wolf, right? Uh, when we, you know, it might be one of those long tail, we'll do one issue every month type of thing. Mm -hmm. um, and and so we'll get back to that. But but there you go. There's the the... The cycle continues. The cycle continues. I like that. I, you know, it's fair enough. He got rid of, of Druid, but but as you point out, yeah, there is rarely ever a definitive end right. to uh, a character. All right, Bob, you go first. What? Oh, yeah, I know. What is your favorite panel? Oh, my favorite panel. I I I uh, I think I'm gonna have to go. Rick, with with Captain America sitting on that throne, having that was a mine. Was, that was it totally, really? It totally was. Yeah. Oh well. I regretted. A... I regretted the fact that your timing was to go first because I knew you would steal it from me, <laughs> especially after you you commented on it and I asked you to describe the page and you just mm -hmm. went on and on. I, at that loving point, detail. at that point, I went. Yeah. I'm not getting. Yeah, he's going to take it from me, and, and, and rightfully so. Rightfully yeah. so. You know, uh, two great minds such as ours can appreciate the same page, uh, maybe even for different reasons, but but you know, but we're drawn to it. Yeah, it's just a wonderful, wonderful page, uh, with a with just an excruciating amount of of care to uh, to detail uh, in the walls, in the furniture, and and even in, in cap, as you said, with that one hand, his left hand just resting. Uh, on the arm of the chair, showing zero tension. So a lot to like about uh, that particular page. So what's I, your backup? I, I say it. I say it for everything, all the reasons you say it. Yeah, I agree. And then I would add to that, it's also something I don't recall ever seeing uh, image of Cap before and ever since. And you know, of him sitting in a throne holding a goblet. Um, you know, in this situation, you know what I mean? I mean, just yeah. like, uh, it just, yeah. 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 It makes me want to like, go have a, a, a cup of mold wine and just relax in my spiced recline. wine too. Right. Yeah. yeah. Spiced, yeah. My spiced mold wine. Yeah. Yes. Uh, here's something interesting. Um, so, uh, my 
grandfather, who I never met. He died before I was born. Uh, my dad's dad. He was a he, he had well he was a coal miner and he died of black lung. But um, oh. he prior to that he was a merchant marine, and he he was uh he was he was from Austria and he came over on the boat you know to America. But yeah, at one point his job was a merchant marine, and um, so my dad had a fishing boat and I was a first mate on my dad's boat for eight years. And, uh, so, you know, on a boat, do you know the difference between left and right? Uh, port and starboard. Correct. Right. And as a kid, it was hard for me to remember which one was port and which one was starboard. So my dad said how he was taught to remember by his father who was a merchant marine who yeah. worked on a boat and he was the wine steward. Ah. Uh, okay. Okay. And so he would go in, you know, room to room, would you like any wine? And then towards the end of the night, uh someone would say, Well, what kind of wine do you have? Yeah. And he would say, All I have is port is left. Ah. Uh-huh. <laughs> and because it's uh, not a popular wine, it's right? Not. So it's yeah. like the, it's the one that's left. So he yeah. would say, you know, all I have is port is left, yeah, or something like that. But anyway, yeah. port is left is was was the terminology. Yeah. So that's how I remembered uh, the the difference between port and starboard. All uh, right. But anyway, yeah. So we Very got cool. mold mold spice wine and port wine. Yeah, I've I've I have drunk a lot of port wine in my life. So. And really right. I'm not it's a big not, fan well i'm not either but it is traditional in the naval services to drink port wine at uh, ceremonial events and so you traditionally toast with port mm-hmm. uh for the naval history of it all so i think it comes from a city is it a city in, in portugal porto i don't know i think so um I'm, if i'm not mistaken um i only know that because we're planning a trip to portugal and that's one of the places we're going to visit is Porto. So, oh, okay, yeah. All right, okay. Uh, did we get to your favorite panel? No, because you took it. Oh, that's right. That's right. I'm going to go with um, page seven, the big splash of um, Cap falling into the pit through the door. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a really interesting, um, uh layout and and also it's really interesting in how the perspective of cap falling mm-hmm. like if someone just looked at this panel you really wouldn't know which way is up which way is what's happening right. you yeah. know what i mean um so it's interesting in how he drew it uh and you certainly never see cap in in this uh you know his body twisting in this way so yeah um on the fly i'm gonna go with that's my favorite panel well you know it's interesting you say that was my backup uh for many of the reasons you said i i I like the perspective i like the fact that you're looking down and i think it's rendered in such a way that you really get a sense that he's he's falling uh into this pit and he's in that mid-motion where he's spinning before he catches hold of that rope so i mean i think it's a it's really it's really well rendered uh, mm-hmm. Other than the fact that, you know, his shields in his, his right hand, as a lot of folks I'm sort will point out, that doesn't bother me. But the fact that he can grab hold uh, of, of a rope 
at some point, however, he manages to shift it to his his left hand mm-hmm. uh, in midfall, uh, and then uses his right hand to to catch hold of the rope. So, uh, all the more impressive. Well, you know what? Uh, the fact that he, the way he shifts the shield from left hand to right hand mm-hmm. uh, in the middle of battle is very impressive. It's uh, very reminiscent of a football player, like a who's running with the football and carried in one arm, and then uh-huh. he, oh, and yeah. he's running along the left side, and then he sees the defenders running over, and he shifts it to his left side so that right. they can't pull at it. Sure, you know? yeah, yeah. All right, yeah, that's a good analogy. Good. All right, so what about t-shirt worthy? I'm going to go with the opening splash. <gasps> um, I that's that's just going to. I think that's totally. I, it could have been my favorite panel, but I'm going to go with um, t-shirt worthy because it is so eerie. But yeah. I love everything about it that I want the entire page on it. I want the top where it mm. says Captain America 1940 and then Stanley presents Captain America and then the title and then the, you know, the, the credits at the, you know, uh, the lower left. And, and I, I want it all yeah. because it just, it just, I know it's 1981, yeah, but you could have, I could have sworn this was early seventies by right. looking at this. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, good choice. Good choice. It'd be very cool. It'd be a great Halloween shirt. How about you? What's what's going on your t-shirt? season? Mm. You know, I think I'm going to go with the cover, Rick. I'm not crazy about Cap's uh, face rendering in this particular, mm-hmm. uh, you know, cover illustration by Marie, but I I do like the fighting stance, and I love how it's framed uh, by the open doorway behind him and those. Spooky... Oh, does he have his action crouch go or crouch going on? Bob? He's got his action crouch, and I love how his like shoulders are hunched up behind him. Uh-huh. So you know he's like he's flexing, right? He's putting mm-hmm. the flex on his latimus dorsi, uh, and he you could tell you know just the tension in his right fist that he is clenched and he's ready to head into battle. And I you know and I do like the clenched teeth. So I I think you know I I don't know. Rick, are you getting ready for Halloween? I'm getting ready for Halloween. Oh, what are you doing this year? I know every year you have like a in your in your block you have on you have like uh yes. things that you put out there for the for the grown-ups that go yep. by. And yeah. and each year you have something cool, like uh you've had the plasma. Yep. Right before you the had plasma. You had the shooters in the in the long um the test uh, tubes. Test tubes. Right. right? But- during COVID, we had uh, brain sanitizer. I had a, like a big jug of brain sanitizer that you had like a pump cup with little uh-huh. plastic cups that you would you pump out your brain sanitizer. This year, uh-huh. I'm going all out. I'm doing I'm doing the blood plasma bags. Nice. I have with big, uh, with vodka cranberry. Yep, rep vodka cranberry juice. I have syringes uh, that uh, you can do jello shots in these big plastic syringes. And so I'm actually going to, I think I'm going to, no, do... there's no way jello is going to spurt. It's yeah, come out they're, of those they're very large. I just got them today. Uh, very large syringes that you can squirt jello shots in your mouth. And then uh-huh. the piece de resistance, Rick, my wife just like shook her head when I told her this, and these came in today as well. So you ever go do a physical and they give you a cup and say, we're going to use the whole your... fist there, doc. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to need a urine sample, uh-huh. you know, and it's that little plastic cup with the blue lid that screws on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. I got 25, 30 of those. And so I'm going to have limoncello. In the- <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> 
limoncello uh-huh. uh, in these specimen cups on my on my table. So you could go with the blood plasma, or you could go with the specimen cups with the very urine looking uh, limoncello. Oh, that's uh, awesome. Yeah. So it's going to be so a lot glad of fun. you went with that and not milk. <laughs> Tell me, I'm not. <laughs> so next year. Okay. Yeah. So it's going to be a lot of fun. So, uh, uh, so be, I'm I'm in a I'm in a Halloween pictures. state of mind. Oh yeah, we will get pictures. Halloween right. state of mind. So the cover is is uh, it is the season for this kind of t-shirt. All right. Yeah. What do you uh, what are you putting in your time capsule? All right. Well, I I'm going a little outside of our normal because you know I'm finding these are increasingly difficult for me. Uh-huh. Uh, but I decided. You know, we talked about that ad with uh, you know what's it was it Johnson's. Um, yes. <laughs> yes, Johnson's, right? John Johnson Smith Company. Uh, you know, but as I was going through this issue, I noticed that there's a two-page ad from Mile High Comics. Yeah. So as you know, you know Mile High Comics was yeah. founded in 1969 by Chuck Rosansky. And so uh, I was looking you know, we're at We're not this, getting paid by them, Bob. You we're know not. That, right? We are certainly not, right? And so uh, there's a two-page ad with a list of comics for sale. List expires May 31st, 1981. So- you know, the prices are only good for that. But I was looking at the prices for Captain America comics. Mm-hmm. And it occurred to me that we had uh, we had somebody, I think, in the Facebook group this week. Uh, and I know you saw this post. It was by uh, Brian Marlette. Now, Brian's a pastor and a Cap- Captain America fan. And his congregation bought him a copy, I believe, of Captain America 100. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Remember that? Great mm-hmm. post, wonderful story. Really happy uh, for him. Uh, but in this uh, Mile High Comics ad for Captain America 100, it was going for a whopping $12. Mm. Yeah. And uh, 117, I think, was going for $6 in 1981. But the thing that caught my attention, and I'm sure you're familiar with this, was there was a tiny little ad within this ad about Dazzler number one. Oh, uh, yeah. And it said, by special arrangement with Marvel Comics, we are keeping this limited distribution issue at 50 cents, which was the cover price, until mm-hmm. March 1st, 1981. And it got me thinking about that because, of course, you know, Taylor Swift was recently seen at a, what is it, a mm-hmm. Kansas City mm-hmm. Chiefs game because she maybe or may not be dating this football player. And in the box with her was... Mr. Wolverine and Mr. Deadpool himself. And yes, so speculation exactly. went uh, rampant that she may be debuting in Deadpool 3 as Dazzler. So what I'm hearing from you, Bob, yeah. is that your time capsule is a mile high ad. I love it. I love I love these ads, Rick, right? Because um, mm-hmm. do you see these anymore in comic books? No, but I will say two things. Number one, uh, recently in one of the other comic book groups I'm in, somebody had posted, uh, one of these double page ads mm-hmm. and said, all right, pick, pick one that you can buy right now, but you have to read the comments section and you cannot do a duplicate of what somebody else had already said. Ooh, all right. Right. So yeah. I think I end up doing, uh, un- uncanny X-Men 94. You know, uh-huh. like the, the first appearance of all those, you know, characters, yeah, yeah. You know, the team. Uh, yeah. And it was $60 at the time. Wow. Um, so I went with that one. But anyway, so I saw that recently and I thought that was a really cool, cool idea to kind of like, yeah. you know, you know, pick one, whatever. Um, number two, um, I'll accept this 
but you were never allowed to do an ad again. <laughs> oh, come on. No, no, that is not. You're you're right. cheating. You're All cheating, right. but right. I'll accept cheating? it right. only because you gave a 15 minute explanation, <laughs> which I now have to edit. Thank you for making this episode even longer. Oh, it's so exciting, though, Rick. You know, the thing is, it is a time capsule worthy because we don't see ads. You know, if we still saw ads in comic books selling old comic books, well, we could say, well, there's nothing changed, but we don't see those anymore. That no, time has don't. gone by. Yeah, that's right. Sadly. Absolutely. Yeah. Very nice. Well done. Never again. <laughs> <laughs> And your time capsule, Rick? Uh, I'm going to go with page two and where Cap is doing a recap of recap of uh, the previous two issues. Okay. And uh, he said, I received a telegram from Falworth Manor. Yeah. And so I was like that, which, which actually honors the spirit of, the whole time capsule thing is like, what is it about this issue? You know, it's not like a flashback to that time, but it's mm -hmm. like from 1981, yeah. what is it that is your, it stands out and you're just like, and you, yeah, back in 1981, we did telegrams. All right. All right. Lucky I didn't go with the bubble yum ad. I am so lucky. <laughs> I am so, so lucky. You know, um, when I was in sixth, sixth seventh, eighth grade, people I called me Bubblicious. You know why? Because Bubblicious gum was very, not Bubble Yum, but Bubblicious was uh, the main competitor of Bubble uh -huh. Yum. Very popular at that time. So you that was were my, uh, the main competitor of something? I was Bubblicious. That was my. You were yeah. Bubblicious. Yeah. The, what? Yeah. Because of the name Bob. <laughs> That's right. Yes. Right? Yeah. You were Bobblicious. Don't, don't you even try. It was yeah. Bobblicious, wasn't it? <laughs> Right. Don't, well, don't deny it. I can neither confirm nor deny. All right. Yeah. Bobalicious. <laughs> uh, all right. Next episode, Bob. Uh, you know what? We talked about um, how Gene Colan, you know, had not been, you know, he had done that nice long run for Captain America and then had not been on cap for like, what was it? 10 years or something like that. Right. Well, guess yeah. what? He comes back one more time after this issue of Captain America 256. He comes back one more time and it's all the way in 2009. We're going to cover Captain America 601 and that is a World War II tale that involved vampires. Now, it's going to come out on November 1st. So we're just missing uh, Halloween, but we just had to do right mm. one more one more halloween like tale because we've been doing that right recently uh for the for this month let's do one more in honor of gene colin so come back next episode and we will cover captain america 601 exciting it is all right bob you got anything else i i surely do not rick you know, Bob, you should you should kind of like you every once in a while you should be like, yeah, Rick. Uh, hey, listeners, make sure to uh, subscribe, rate and review on any of uh, your podcasts because we haven't gotten 
a Apple review, dude, so, in like five so you months. Think, you think if I make the appeal that apparently, uh, the, apparently well, it ain't happening with me. <laughs> People are like, oh yeah, Bob, he's the, he's the sweet one. And we're going to, we're going to, we're going to exactly. review and rate and subscribe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you don't like do that. that. That jerk, Rick. <laughs> that pedophile that's right what are you doing don't touch me oh my oh, god that was a great story rick I, oh. I could i could almost it almost felt like i was there and i could uh you were reliving the you were reliving the experience oh. as a form of therapy but not in a good it, way it totally was it was very yeah. therapeutic uh again apologies to our listeners <laughs> all right he's good bob time. lucius i'm rick verbonis and you I've been listening to another episode of the Captain America comic book fans podcast.